0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's action for everyone. For this here, April twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. I'm your host, Mike Scott. I am joined, as always, by Shit Talker Extraordinaire, Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today?
1: <laughs> I gotta fend off the invaders on, on, on my Twitter shores today, but it's all good. My my, my blade shall not fall, or whatever. The A
0: twenty four armies are at your gate.
1: On your chiller joystick standum, the the horde. <laughs>
0: And <laughs> as always, our boy Liam O'Donnell, looking very, um, looking very inspired by Alexander Skarsgård today. Very, uh, very muscular, showing showing off the guns today.
2: Yep, did a lot of yard work, flexing my traps in the mirror and the reflections. Being like, can can I get Northmen traps? Was was the thought that was all over my mind all, all weekend, uh, as one does after watching The Northmen.
0: so as you guys probably figured listening we're going to be talking about the northmen today uh liam and vice saw it i was not able to make it out to the theater but we're going to also use that as an opportunity to sort of springboard into just kind of talking about some of our favorite barbarian slash viking movies um you know because obviously it doesn't really seem like there's the originality in the Northman is in the presentation, not in the type of movie that it is or the story that it's telling. And so I think it's worth it to talk about a lot of these other movies. Um, <clears throat> no real structure. But before we get into that, the patron deity, the God, the the man that all of us uh, bow down to, sweaty Gerard Butler, dropped a new trailer for Last Seen Alive this week. Uh, looks like Jerry Butt's take on Breakdown. Vice, what did you think of that trailer?
1: Oh man! Just first of all, I just gonna love seeing the beef, the beef back in action. Um, and one of the things that people pointed out, you know, it was well, if, if you, when when you see the trailer after this, or if you haven't already, um, you know, it's uh, his wife, him uh, and his wife having problems, and she goes up missing, um, and it appears that somebody's kidnapped her, or so he thinks. Mystery. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a looks like one of those like kind of a low key, uh, pot boiler kind of a, a thriller movies, you know. Um, but there's just like small little details yeah, like, You know, we, we just mentioned this, like, you know, not so much the story, but the presentation. So, you know, this this kind of theme sounds familiar in these kind of thrillers, but is small little details in the trailer that kind of released, uh, you know, came out that I was like, kind of enamored by. For one, uh, you know, he, he seems to be talking in his native accent, but yet in some of the voiceovers, he has his uh American brogue, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So it's like, is that an um, editing mistake or a... So that's a choice. It's hard to tell because you know the film takes place in America, so it's just a uh, it's one of those like uh, cute quirks that you can't help but admire, whether it be purposeful or a mistake. It's just uh, something fun to see. Um, the other thing was um, this one line, one line reading that really caught my attention um, in the trailers. That uh, he kind of he the character or who he's playing says out loud, I, "I I don't have any special skills. I'm not a not secret service, I'm not special forces." uh and, and the line continues with uh but it's more taking my wife there's hell to pay." and i just thought that was a really brilliant little like meta jab at himself and these like these taken you know like I said, break down these uh these uh uh husband wife action thrillers you know just like a to have that kind of it seems like it's it's a small line but it, th- just having that it there it seems like it might be have more prestige a sleeve than, than we, we think we would think of this kind of uh you know, it might seem like an empty movie, but I think there might be more to it. So I'm looking forward
0: to it. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, where the breakdown comparison comes in, because in that one, Kurt Russell is also just very much a normal man as opposed to, you know, Taken or, well, basically any Liam Neeson movie where even if he's supposedly a normal man, it's really hard to buy Liam Neeson as a normal normal dude. Um, Liam, your thoughts on the trailer? Well, yeah, I, that
2: line, obviously, it feels like, you know, kind of fourth wall talking back to action Twitter, everyone that's been kind of commenting on the over reliance of the um, of the special skill uh, lead, which you know we we had talked about that a little bit where it's like, well, I think I think there there's only certain types of thrillers that really work well with the everyman. And then other ones you kind of want to see a certain level of competence in your hero. So that's why I think that reliance on on the interesting background became a thing because you're you're allowing your heroes to do increasingly clever and sophisticated ways of you know using their skills. Um, but yeah, so that 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 part uh, was fun. I, I have not seen the director Brian Goodman's other movies, but it's a fascinating career. Um, most famously, plays Lucas Black's father in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Um, I think his Ethan Hawke. He had an Ethan Hawke movie that's kind of uh, famous, but and, I never saw it.
0: Yeah, I was actually. That's actually what I was going to talk about a little bit. Is um, <clears throat> so I, I, I quite like Brian Goodman both as a character actor, and I haven't seen his second movie, but the movie that he did in two thousand eight. It's called What Doesn't Kill You. It's got Ethan Hawke and Mark Ruffalo, and it's a pretty solid little crime thriller. Goodman's actually really fascinating because he. Uh, And it's been a while since I've read interviews with him. But if I'm remembering correctly, he spent a good portion of his youth and early adult in and out of the system in and out of jail. He was basically a small time criminal growing up in, I want to say, Boston and uh, got finally the last time he got out of prison, kind of got into acting and turned his life around. and, And what doesn't kill you is actually sort of semi-autobiographical or at least based on his experiences growing up and stuff like that and it's a it's a good solid just nasty little crime movie uh that i that i definitely recommend um he's certainly a a talent that i think is better than going along with what vice said He's a talent that I think is better than what this trailer necessarily shows. So I do think that this is probably there's probably more going on in this movie than than what the trailer's showing. They're they're obviously selling Gerard Butler, blowing stuff up and, and shooting people, especially the last half of the trailer. But I'm betting that there, there is going to be more to this than we think because uh, I just I don't knowing Brian Goodman's sort of career, I don't know what would have necessarily drawn him to this otherwise right if it was just to stand other than you know sometimes you just need to make a fucking movie but he he makes more money as an actor probably than he ever does as a director so you know it's he's probably not directing for a paycheck i would think but uh, i'll be interested to see uh you know when it comes out um what we all think of it because I'm, I'm interested for sure all right anything we want to add on that trailer
2: well it was good to see uh vertical entertainment finally got a jerry butler movie good on the that's my team (laughs) yeah
1: man
0: all right well then with that let's transition into uh robert eggers the northman a movie that has had takes flying fast and furious all week about it uh from everything uh from haircuts all the way up to, um, you know, is it uh, to to Scott Mendelson cheekily calling it a remake of The Lion King and people losing their damn minds because they never know when Scott's joking, um, and uh, and you know all of that sort of stuff. So Liam, let's start with you. Uh, I know you saw it. What are your initial thoughts?
2: Well, yeah, I know. I know Vice didn't do his usual four frame mood board, but it really is just the. Schwarzenegger's Hamlet scene from <laughs> Last Action Hero, like that. You only need that one board. It's like, what if Hamlet was a motherfucking badass? Like, that's it. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I, I what I, I there, there's a lot, and I'm gonna say my first like just disclaimer overall is that my biggest takeaway was that I I, I was just very impressed with um, the the filmmakers like integrity. You know, like they're, they're, he made this movie and he convinced a lot of fucking people to spend a lot of fucking money, a lot of really talented actors to make this movie in a very eccentric way, in a very like esoteric style. And every single thing on frame looks like it was built for the movie. It just, you know, it's got a real singular quality to it. And that I found really impressive. And like I said, I, I feel like it's a work of integrity. Um, and through it doesn't necessarily mean that it it has to work for you but i kind of was like at the end of the day i i i I, you know a round of applause i take my i tip my hat to him for pulling this off because it certainly is not easy i mean i know that they said the budget uh i think it was originally supposed to be more like half of what it ended up being because of covid so it ended up being like a 90 million dollar movie it doesn't feel like a 90 million dollar movie but um you know some of those cost overruns i guess happen because of scheduling and 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 all that stuff and but it is it is a work of um i gotta say of singular vision and uh and i commend that first of all but there's also a lot to make fun of in the movie there's a lot that you can have like a a little bit of fun with because uh, you know my my uh, my friend who who i saw it with i don't know if i should give him up but he was like um He's like it's like a it's kind of like just like an actor's workshop thing going on that they're doing here. Like everybody's just kind of doing this intense, and they're all for it. And you know, like all of all all movie making, all drama, all this stuff. Like it's ultimately just a bunch of people making believe and pretending. And you you can go up to these lines that, um, you know, you you're not afraid to look ridiculous. And I like that nobody feels really afraid to completely go ridiculous and, and it all it all generally works for me but you can't take a step back and laugh at it because it is so kind of uh you know crazy where you have Ethan Hawke and his son just like uh, like hey man let's go be wolves Let's <laughs> like go down into a cave and then start going I love <laughs> like stretching their their bones and their backs out. Now, look, uh, it that looked compelling to me. I mean, a lot of it looked compelling to me. I think, I think in a lot of ways, this is like explaining testosterone to people that don't understand it. And it all, I completely understand it. It was speaking my language, like. There's a whole scene where the guys before they're they're berserkers and they're gonna go
0: raid let a you, village. Let me, let me stop you right there, really quick, Liam. Just like, yeah. you just want to say because I forgot to say this up front, we are gonna spoil the Northmen. So uh you know, before Liam gets into spoilers, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, now's a good time to stop because uh, there's no reason to avoid spoilers. So I just wanted to throw that warning out there. So, Berserkers, can- or, or watch The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if
2: you've if you've seen Hamlet, you've you've seen the movie. Um, there's even like like scene overlap. I mean, it is it, it's Conan the Barbarian meets Hamlet, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Hamlet. So there you go. Um, but there's a scene where like the guys are all you know, getting into their animal spirit because they're about to go raid a village and get all pumped up. And it it reminded me of like, this is going to sound silly, but I don't really think it is. It's like before football games in high school, like the crazy shit that we would do. And you think about how that is like, a lot of uh, people would say that's really stupid, but like, isn't, is it any more or less stupid than what these guys are doing? But, you know, like the historical perspective makes it treated with some sort of like, like, sacredness, but it is just, like, you got to put yourself in a state to hurt people. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't know, that's what I appreciated about it, is that it got me thinking about other things outside of what it was depicting, because of its, you know, odd style. Um, and yeah, there was some other point that I wanted to make along those lines about Like oh that that was reminding me about football and then yeah at the very end of the raid vice how they show all the guys like that's kind of like at the end of a football game or or they're all just like sitting there nursing their wounds and like they look very much just like regular dudes uh, that that were like gassed and all fucked up and I I really appreciated that there's there's a little bit of that there I mean it got me thinking about even more far reaching things in in the more um, more relevant stuff about like what. What is safety in the world? Um, what do we like fight for? What do we die for? What are societies like? I was I, it, I so I'm always appreciative when a movie kind of puts you in that state. Like what you know, I had a long conversation with my friend about Ukraine and Russia after this because ultimately it's 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 still it's kind of a very similar situation where you have these berserkers raiding into a village and grabbing all the sons, putting them in a barn and burning them alive, and um, I don't know. It's just at the very core that 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 is still happening kind of put me in a in, in a I don't know, in a more contemplative mood. And then maybe the movie even earns, you know, but but I did I did enjoy being put into this uh, altered state. But I wouldn't say I was put into like a super emotional state. It was um, it was just very much like, uh, you know, touching base with uh, my 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 core uh, animal testosterone spirit
1: but <laughs> the blood of wolves in them yeah uh well yeah so you, you said that the uh, the keyboard of this movie is uh, esoteric you know it's um i guess it's part of as we'll talk about later on robert just kind of signature style like you know not not dialogue heavy um lots of lingering scenes and shots and um but in, in this case uh uh well throughout the movies lots of absurd mystical uh magical even imagery and of Course, that's taken to you know the next level here. We're using the Norse mythology to fully embrace or fully take advantage of his uh mystical uh you know proclivities, whatever you want to say. Um, so yeah, so I would say like that's 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 the interesting to me about the film is that um, you know, it's we it's a to see an esoteric take on this kind of barbarian bloodlust, um, or at least his particular version was pretty fascinating. And you know, there's been other movies like this that, that tried that as well, which we'll get into later. But I, you know, it's, um, I, I appreciated it when it hit, but I also kind of fe- felt when it kind of missed a little bit. Um, because I think, I guess, I think overall, um, well, some behind this stuff, as he's, he has interviews many times, Eggers, about how um, throughout the uh, press door, press where he's had some trouble, or he said he had trouble with the studio fighting over uh, budget and creative differences. So, you know, he had to, you know, one example, put, use a lot more, CGI than he wanted to because normally he's more of a uh, tactile, use uh, you know, realistic um, filmmaker, but because of COVID they couldn't film what they wanted to film, so had to do some you know digital you know makeup stuff. So you know it's 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 not you know he's said uh, openly that you know some of the things in the movie are not what he wanted to have, how he wanted it. So and I, I think I kind of I kind of feel that tension a little bit because uh, on the scale between like say uh Conan Barbarian and then the movie uh, you know uh, Valhalla Rising. Somewhere, somewhere between there close closer to the uh the more side but i think there's some tension we're trying to between its visceral thrills and it's kind of uh the dreamlike state it wants to be in so for me it doesn't always work but again as you mentioned like this is for the most part this is his vision and what's possible and i like that he's trying to he's trying to like marry those those two vibes into this into this thing so which which i think ultimately works more for me than not and then it, it does feel like its own its own specific notch in the broader spectrum of Viking barbarian films. So I think overall it was a good job. He succeeded um, more than he didn't.
2: Yeah. I would say real quick, there's a, that interesting, I think was it in the New Yorker, Mike, there's some big profile where they went through like all the making of, of it. That was, that was a really good read. And then I even heard from uh, my friend who is friends with uh, a big editor in town that, you know, they had, he had, he had looked at the the previous version that had tested poorly and he said it was a mess. And so it was like a pretty big turnaround. So to me, I'm like, I, I think I probably like this version, <laughs> the compromised version better than whatever the original one was, <laughs> you know, cause there is, I, I felt like there was, I don't know, for me, some, some admirable restraint on some of those scenes that like, you know, sometimes when those that I'll just like, I don't want to say A 24 because I don't, it is just a distributor. I don't want to feed into this narrative, but like that, this style, this elevated style, let's call it. Sometimes they just, the shots go on so long and there is no real rhyme or reason. Obviously there's no real rhyme or reason for anything. Right. But like anyone can do whatever, you can break whatever rule. But like, I'm like, why are they cutting here? Like, is it like a guy turns around, he breathes like seven to eight times into frame and then we cut and they didn't do that for the most part. I didn't feel that extra, let's just say the word like indulgence of length in a lot of things. So that's why I think I liked it better than what I was expecting. I was expecting something a little bit more, you know, like just like, okay, we're going to. We're gonna use the 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 fucking tail end of the film for all every single shot. So I, I felt like it actually was cut with a a pretty decent pace, and um, and so that that I've noticed some of the negative reviews are feel like you know oh it, it feels like it's playing it safe and it's kind of compromised. But I, I kind of lean more towards like enjoying things that are a little bit more playable than 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 super stretched out. So um, so I think I I, I probably. <laughs> Inside with the, with the fucking sellouts on that one, um but yeah. But in general, uh, I, I was going to say one thing about the action, though, Vice. Now, get your your thoughts. Is like, there's a pretty big oneer that goes into a village, and I just think, you know, I know we're 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 the pro one shot podcast, but I do feel like, look, oneers have their their limitations, and I think that some of that fight because. You know, they've got so much of the extras moving in the background and the guys in the foreground that he's killing just turn around and wait to get killed. And, and you can feel that, like, you know, it's it's really hard. I mean, this is the thing. I, I saw people posting some fight video that these kids were punching the shit out of each other. And they're going, this looks better shot than Hollywood movies of the last 10 years. Well, guess what? Because they're really fucking punching each other, you idiots. <laughs> we're not supposed to punch each other in the movie. You got to be safe. You gotta fucking, mi- you <laughs> gotta miss the f- face. Like you're not allowed to, you're not supposed to just like fucking murder each other for your entertainment. You fucking fiends. That was a good so fight too. I got that kind of it was a good fight. <laughs> that, those guys were throwing, as you guys said. But it, you know, I, uh, those those little comments always annoy me. But like, if if in that one or just think to yourself for a second when he comes around and he that guy he blocks the guy's thing. If it went into an over of guard into that guy and that guy looked up real quick at Sarsgaard and was like, oh, my God, like just froze for like literally, let's say, you know, 28 frames. And then garden you come back and he fucking crushes his skull. It would it would probably be more impactful. And and so I just think we as a culture, as an action culture, need to like stop thinking about wonders and cuts and start thinking about like beautiful cuts and beautiful storytelling and like elegance rather than just being like, Oh my God, it was all, it was all in one take. It's like, it just, it doesn't actually matter if you can see the mistakes in the take. So like, or you can see some of the, I guess, blocking within the take. So it, I don't know. I just think we need to get off of it. We need to just embrace editing because
1: it's beautiful. Well, let's go and see a little more because, um, that's, I think that scene kind of highlights one of my issues with, we mentioned the fighting specifically is that, um, the fighting, the choreography, isn't all that good. And I'm not quite sure if it's supposed to be mission on purpose, because I feel like there's quite a bit of other scenes, that, that not this part where his assailants are waiting for him to encounter. Um, there's one scene where later on, where he's um, at, the, uh, at, this, uh, at this village in Iceland, he's at this uh, farm, it's a village, and uh, he's disguised as a slave. And when he announces himself and he goes to charge um, his enemies, they kind of like, dude, they do the uh, the Jackie Chan, Van Damme lineup to, to fight him, and then, you know, and he kind of easily parries them, which, you know, it's supposed to represent his prowess in battle, but like, yeah, it's like, it's like 80 all like they don't, you know, and, and yes, he's a, he's a berserker, he's a barbarian, but like, even though that's true, but he's fighting so uh, staid that, you know, I feel like they just, you know, th- th- I hear a lot of. There was a lot of hype about this being an action film, you know, a bloodthirsty balls to the wall action. And it's really, I mean, there's bloodiness to it, and it's certainly violent and, and grim and dark, but I didn't quite get that same vibe. It was more of, you know, it, it was more of a, oh, this shit is terrible and it sucks. I mean, I mean, like, you know, getting stabbed with swords in multiple ways sucks really bad. Here's how. So, I mean, I got that, I guess we got that feeling, but not so much the, uh, oh, this is a Scars Guard in a Tour of Force. Barbarian action film. It wasn't that at all, really. And you know, and again, like I don't think that was fully the the full intent of it all. But you know, when you do these one take, what like that one take, you kind of that depletes that that part of the uh, the action where he's supposed to be this indomitable warrior. But then at the same time, you mentioned the story. I think that oh, well, well, first I didn't even realize it was a one or until like near the end of it when I was as it was folding, and because the end part released really where the, where the the gut punch comes in where you see that you know they they've taken the the, the young children to kill them in the wild. Like that's when it, oh that when to see him committing this brutality on these innocent people, or at least as far as we know. And then to kind of have him soak in the aftermath of it. That's when that scene worked for me more than him just like you know going from the wall to the jumping to the horse. You know, it was just kind of it was just kind of motions, whereas the actual impact of him soaking it in. Uh, as it happens, is where it really signs. And did you feel he soaked it in? because I did not. I did not feel
2: that yeah, it, the actions that he I did not feel like there were I, I I mean, you're supposed to just read the actor's face, but I didn't, yeah, it made me question why is this guy's story important, and why is this kid burning in the barn story important? It was it, I don't know, but that but I saw other people being like, it goes out of its way to show that he's like morally concerned about the children. I'm like, well, he didn't do anything. So I don't, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. That was, there was, it was a, the, the one review I'm referring to, it was, uh, was on the ringer just, just in yeah. case, but he said like, yeah, it goes out of its way to show that he's like, Moral and that the the children's slaughter bothers them. I'm like, well, I mean, I got I got none of that from the scene. Yeah. I, I just no, got it that it bothers us as the viewer, but I didn't get it from the yeah. actor.
1: Yeah, for me, it was like you know we we now realize that he's gone from that uh, as they call him in the movie, innocent pumpy of a kid to now he's just he's like this animal, like and he just, that's just his life now and he just accepts it. So that's what that's what I got from it. You know, not, not so much that he's conflicted person because he all throughout the film he's even to the very end he's uh, single minded. And his goal of vengeance so like i don't think there's any like well yeah that, just, that, that's the next scene with the witch played by
2: uh bjork yeah which is she kind of like reawakens his moral compass like that i, I don't think he had one at the, up until that point and then it's yeah. like okay it's an awakening and that was interesting um what did you think of uh of of the what did you think of the like him coming back into the farm and and, and playing as the slave and that whole part of the
1: story. <laughs> Tom Hanks as Toby's a slave. Uh, I, well, I, 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 it's just a funny thing to kind of soak in. Like the um, my friend Shay, she posted her, her letterbox review of the film. One simple sentence: They sure love slavery, huh? You know, <laughs> it's just um, <laughs> You know the uh, the the, uh, the ingrained uh, culture or society of dominance over subjugation it was really funny to see and see it play out in this weird little like well so as people who will see this they, you know during the second act, I guess you can this is like kind of a game he's kind of playing where he's hiding himself his true self because his parents and you know the Uncle Fyodor the, the enemy they don't recognize him as all grown man so he's kind of playing the you know, the, the 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 farm boy that slave. Um, so it's and do and, and that and through the course that he's kind of uh starting his, starting his revenge by doing small well doing small grievances upon the family um it's it's a very strange because like, like you said there's no real moral compass per se like you know we know he wants to do the revenges but like uh he's totally fine doing whatever and then um like at one point uh, one of my favorite well you don't see the kill se, but you see you see the effects where he uh slaughters the two goons and turns them into like a horse centaur body with their, with their flesh. <laughs> that was fucking gnarly, man. I That's, dug that scene a lot. <laughs> I, so yeah, it, it, he comes
2: into a, into one of the huts and he pulls the sword and then it cuts to, you know, kind of like out of the NBC's Hannibal, where the, that you would see those body parts like put into weird shapes on a beach. Um, and, and it's to me, I actually burst out laughing because they're like, who on earth could have done this? And it cuts to the fucking like six, five muscular dude who just showed up a week ago. And he's like, and they just saw headbutt um, a giant to death in a, uh, field hockey match where you're yeah. allowed to kill people um the world's so extreme it's like that game. Game.
0: it's like that meme from i think you should leave where uh he's in the hot dog thing and he's like we're trying to figure out who crashed the hot dog truck we're trying yeah. to figure it out
2: and so scars doing his like slouch man like slave posture but he's still just so fuck huge that you're yeah. like yeah dude uh, uh I got, I got some, <laughs> I got some suspects for you. It's probably <laughs> that guy who could lift humans yeah. and tear them apart. Yeah. Uh, but you know, some, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or not. Like, I think some of those things are, are a little bit knowing, and there is, there is like a sense of humor. In 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 some of the movie um, that I think you can tap into, which I have not seen the Lighthouse, so we can go into the the bigger Edgar's one. I've saw the Witch, but I think there's funny stuff in the Witch that's like
1: oh for sure yeah.
0: There's like, definitely a cheekiness in Edgar. yeah. Again, I haven't seen this one, but there's definitely a cheekiness. I I wouldn't necessarily call it go as far as to say like he's funny, but there's definitely no. a cheekiness Fair. In, in what he does. So I I would anticipate you know I would expect based on how you're describing it that it's it's intentional mm-hmm. for sure.
1: But, but, but also like the, you know like this part this this sequence or this uh, act of the farms, because uh, well, the movie separates up in like several acts, not just three. But um, the porch reason in, in the in the slave camp or the you know the homestead in Iceland, that's you know where uh, that's where the um well, you know as we we mentioned you know Shakespeare based his play Hamlet famously off this original Norse myth of you know this vengeance. So so to see this um to see him Eggers. Um, make his own iteration of the original source material, so and to see this kind of see this drama comedy play off a little bit, well, not comedy, but you know it, it's, the absurdity play off. It's uh that's where it gets to- tragedy, I guess. Is the yeah, word. yeah, yeah, that's where I kind of like that's where the real like um, I don't know maybe meat of it or maybe the where the true uh, heart of me comes through because it's also, this is also the point where he's his relationship with the uh, Olga, who's played by Energy Joy, comes through. Because you know, they're plotting together to take down the family. So you see all these this is where all the most of the actual the gears turning happens in the film on this on this uh, uh plantation, as it were. Um so yeah, I, I like that they I liked how they were represented. Um the the more like uh the boots from the ground level of revenge compared to the, like the mystical I'm having a vision now of you know the, the tree of kings, you know, which is cool, but like you know. Well, how are you gonna do it? Well, this is how he does it. He's, well, it's like weird, weird little machinations and plans and plots and schemes and you know violence. You know, at 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 the end of it all. Um, but yeah, but I do want to. So I do want to get to a little more though. But like, uh, I like what that means though. Is that it? Also, you also get the sense of uh, well, Robert Eggers. I guess he's also famous like a big history nerd, or whatever. So he tries to put a lot of authentic elements, be it scenery or dialogue, into the films from from the times they're representing. So I think it really came up pretty strongly here because you know, I guess there's like a lot of um, either overt or uh, somewhat, somewhat obscure reference to direct mythology, Norse mythology throughout it. You know, like we see, you know, there's the ride, the Valkyries riding in the trailer. So that's more obvious to most of us what a Valkyrie is. But then there's, there's things like, you know, like the, the, tr- the tree of, he can see the tree of his past ancestors within each other, which is within their flesh. Or things like, uh, you know, when the uh, when he's talking to the shaman, well, whatever they call it, whatever whatever the Norse term for shaman is, you know, how that goes about. And he, then you can just see some of the, the rituals they do. Like uh, at one point, there's a victory a, a, a after battle, victory dance thing. That's like not quite a orgy, but like you know, it's like I guess like a victory ma- mating ritual thing. You know, and this, is, and this is all re- this all drives how these characters think. And I, I, that's why I read, really like, I was, last thought for me was like, you know, okay, so here I am in, um, in, um, Caucasia. So how, why are these guys acting way they're acting? And so they do these little, these little cultural points to kind of get you to understand why they are the way they are, the whole, you know, you know, we, we, we've heard, you know, Vikings exist and only believe honors an honorable death is through battle. So we know that kind of historically, but like you can kind of see it play out through the, through the mystery imagery and through their relationships with each other, you know, like in the, in the little, like little uh, customs, how that plays out. So I, I like that it, it took that time to go through that cultural stuff to get you, know, I, you guys, why they're so fucking angry. And, and you know, like, like, you know, like uh, we, we, you know, the, like the, the, the metaphor you made about how the football, how we, we can kind of trace and unravel the American psyche through that this specific game. So, in this case, you, you kind of see where these things, are, these threads come, and how these Vikings enact their violence and vengeance and, and slavery, even because they, they live to dominate, they live to, they live to be in quarrel. So it seems, but of course, you know that, that that's always going to be the downfall. A <laughs> Real quick question,
2: Vice. Was that actually Willem Dafoe's cock at the beginning, or is it like he's the court jester and he just has like a big cock thing underneath his shirt? Yeah, it pretty sure that was like a like a,
1: like a like a like a sausage meter. I don't but know. But it, it, it was
2: it was so like the exactly where his dick would be. So he's just like holding a sausage underneath his shirt, like he's a for this has, one that, joke. That,
1: that, that's his. Part. Okay, yeah, he's, a, he's a professional right. comedian.
2: Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I I had to ask. I think <laughs> inquiring minds want to know. Well, well, it, I, I, it was a big pulsing member underneath the shirt, and I was it just was like which, again uh, the cheekiness that that was that was kind of a fun moment.
1: For yeah, me. And, and two things. One, I had mentioned you know at interviews, he did mention that the, you know there was some CG cockatoo going on uh, in the film, like especially in the last battle. There was a nude battle. It was, they're nude in the final confrontation, but and but two. I have heard from various sources that uh, uh, Defoe has a uh, uh, pretty uh, massive uh, hog. So, you know. <laughs> we, we all have that one
2: skinny friend growing up that you were like, wait, what? The, the guy just pees next to you and you're like, wait, I, I didn't know that this was happening.
1: I felt, Am I, like, I felt like I was
2: here, but now you've just surpassed me. What's going on? Uh, I, that, that was a visual joke. I'm sorry, guys.
1: This is why the Vikings <laughs> pull each other. They kill each other. for Hog size. That's what it was. Uh, <laughs> so the more things change, the more they stay the same,
0: right? Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, God, I did not expect that we would be talking about Willem Dafoe's hog today. Which uh, <laughs> You can
2: I mean, tell. He's so confident. Look that, that,
0: at that, that grin. I mean, you know. obviously, that's the episode title this week, right? Uh, so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> oh Mm -hmm. i I have one other quick thing mike and i want to get your take but uh vice there is you know we we talked about the Conan and the barbarian parts and there's obviously one it it was kind of interesting what i saw Eggers say in in that um one of the interviews that he was like he watched that movie a ton as a kid and then didn't even realize how much conan he was putting into it until he rewatched it after he was in post um but there's a there's a pivotal scene in the midpoint of the movie. Where he has to go and get the Knight blade, which is pretty much like beat for beat, exactly like the the scene where Conan first gets his sword. Yeah. Um, except it goes into um, I like a cool in theory fight with the with the monster, uh, not with the monster, but with the with the, the zombie the, Viking, goes to the zombie Viking that that was holding the blade gets up and and fights um, Sarsgard character. And in that fight, it kind of lost me. Like the movie actually kind of lost me in that fight because it was so frustrating and he he was panning a lot. And like you're saying, the choreo was like kind of clumsy and it was just like, man, just cut. Just cut, yeah. like just. <laughs> it doesn't all have to be a yeah. It,
1: it was definitely like a you know a, 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 that's when the movie became a Dark Souls game. Dark Souls mid boss fight and it I was kind of rolling around. <laughs> yeah, they're rolling
2: around, and it was just sort of like it, it frustrated me, and it, it felt like I didn't know what the rules were and what supernatural what. But then it does do a kind of a dolly move at the end of the fight. And it goes right back to the beginning of the scene and you realize this was all a vision in his head. And I started laughing out loud, really loud in the theater because I was like, "Ah, you won me back over. That was clever. That was nice. <laughs> so like, it, it had those moments where I'd be like, ah, enough already. And then I'd be like, they do something really clever, really yeah. and a beautiful camera move, a little a little grace note like that where you're like, oh, OK. So we're, we are still in a grounded reality, but that was acknowledging you know that this this sort of like rite of passage, yeah. um, uh, threshold guardian that he needed to you know defeat in order to get the night blade.
1: Yeah, so I also like that. Um, it it there are parts where it's not quite clear if it's um fully realism or you know in his head or if it's actual magic. Like one plate, no, um, about the night blade itself. I forget the I forget the full name of it. They they say it in the movie, but um, it's also called it's called the night blade. It's called uh, the undead. And so part of the uh, mythology, or whatever, or or the Myth that he's told him is that the blade can only be unsheathed at night to do you know to do it to do it take his blood, and so several points in the movie he tries to take it out, like when he first uh, encounters uh, the uh, at night, and the sword won't come out of the scabbard, and it happens again uh, a few scenes later or moments later or a few acts later um, when he's captured and somebody takes the sword from him, and they try to open it and it won't come out either, so you're like you know is that. Uh, is it because the sword is really old? Because he found it in a in a, in a cave? Is it because it's too cold? You know, the, the frost makes the blade stick. Or is it because, you know, like, it's an actual magical, magical, rune-filled weapon that does what its lore says, you know? So they kind of, like, they kind of play with that through the movie and let those things happen kind of organically, I think. More, more often than not. So I, I like that, that part well. you know, So you, you have these, like, you know, these the, these illusions, these delusions, then these mystical parts, then like the parts where the mystical parts come ahead to head with the reality of blood and guts. That was really fascinating to me too.
0: Mike, I know I, I cut you off earlier, so I want yeah, to swing it to you. Bitch. How dare you? <laughs> no, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen the movie, but I, I just, I wanted to kind of Go broach a, a broader discussion because it's come up a little bit about Robert Eggers' filmography before we branch off into some other stuff. You know, and Vice going way, way back, you mentioned Valhalla Rising. And I really like that you mentioned that because Nicholas Winding Reffin and Robert Eggers are two very similar directors to me in that they are incredibly talented. They make very, very well done movies um, that I just bounce off of for some reason, you know, I, I, watch them and I just, I bounce. Um, and, uh, and this one, you know, nothing you guys have said has convinced me that this is going to be any different. I, I, I enjoyed the lighthouse to a certain extent because it is, it is that it is fully cheeky, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, you've seen the memes of Willem Dafoe going, but you liked me lobster, didn't you? You know, like it, it's fully cheeky and, and, <clears throat> despite the fact that I just rewatched a certain three hour comic book movie and liked it even less the second time, I do love Robert Pattinson. So that movie uh, yes. that, that made me uh, maybe good, but um, let the hate flow, Mike. <laughs> I'm not going to let the hate flow. I'm not going to have the hate flow other than anybody that thinks a score where you hear the same five notes for three goddamn hours is a good score is up in the night. All right. There is more to a score than just bomb, 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 bomb. All right. That's it. That's all, all right. Well,
2: you know what? Just because you touched on the score. I mean, I I actually think the, the score, the, I, mean, I think Edgar's score and sound, his uh, his instincts are, are quite great, but it is like when you, when you compare anything to like you you know, if Conan the Barbarian had any other score, it's such a lesser movie. And so that orchestral, like fucking touch by God score by Basil Polidora, just like elevates that movie into a level that um, I never got with this one, even though I think the score like technically worked and it got under my skin and it got me, you know, viscerally reacting when heads were chopped off and stuff like that. But there is just something to be said, um, you know, when you go back and we, we talk about the barbarian genre and, and all the other films. I mean, it's weird to me that like the two best barbarian movies came out the same summer and it's The Sword and the Sorcerer and Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Albert Pugh <laughs> and John Williams. The, those are the two that stick with me the most. Uh, but and Conan is so it's such an orchestra. Like it, it is. Uh, it is so integral to uh that movie and it's not afraid to go soaring and grand and like ha- you know where it's hard on its sleeve so it's
1: interesting but i you know nobody does it like basil polador so what what can you say yeah. you mentioned like the uh the um quote-unquote elevated thing and i think that's a lot of in a lot of these movies now like the uh there's just one of my overall is you know this is a certain um detachment or coldness sterility sterility even to this movie to me a little bit and like these kind of these elevated action horror, whatever, you know, the the A24 movies or whatever. And so I do feel that here, like, you know, they're using the uh, traditional, well, well, some kind of simulacrum of the traditional Norse beats and rhythms and harmonies. So, you know, it it does have that uh, primal feel, but it's like, it's more of a drone, a droning thing than an actual, like, moving, sincere epic of this, you know, which, which which. of what is an epic tale, you know we know this because you know again Shakespeare made his one of his most famous plays of this this tale, and so that epicness or whatever you want to call it isn't quite here for what should what should really be the granddaddy of all you know acts, uh, of revenge thrillers sort of you know like this is like going back to the source material like does that 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 uh, sweeping uh, grandeur is not here at all, and again I, I think you know that, that's His whole, you know, historical accuracy stuff. I understand why that is, but that doesn't mean it works all the time, you know?
2: You know, the the teacher in Last Action Hero, when she's introducing the clip, she's like, Some may even say Hamlet was the first action hero. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes me laugh so much. There's like, what if Hamlet was a fucking badass?
0: There, there, <laughs> is, there is a bit of a way that you guys are describing it that sort of sounds like fan fiction, right? Because what is the criticism? I mean, we've, I'm mean, i assuming we've all read Hamlet at some point in our lives, you know, through yeah. school or whatever. And Hamlet is is my second favorite Shakespeare play. I love it. But if there is a criticism of Hamlet, what is it? Well, it's that Hamlet is kind of ineffective see, yeah. for the whole movie, right? Or for the whole play, right? That's literally his gig as he came make a fucking decision he cannot yeah. shit or get off the pot and so now yeah. you've got this where it sounds like the way you guys are describing it and the way the trailers look and stuff it, it's like what if hamlet but decides he's just gonna fuck some motherfuckers up right you yeah and
2: the, and the story like vice was saying with the Nightblade, like the story is built around why he can't just kill everyone right away you know it, it tailors everything so that you're never like What's why aren't you going for it right now, you pussy? Like it's never yeah. <laughs> it, it 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 perfectly de- like keeps his manhood intact all the way through, um, which is interesting because people were saying like like a political read of this movie or um, or that it was a critique of, of toxic masculinity. I, I just I don't really think so. I didn't really get a, a ton of um, subversion, which. Yeah. I think I, I'm okay with probably more than most critics. I think they want subversion, they want all that stuff, they want. But th- that's why I'd say, like, I, I I think you might actually like this, Mike. It's not like not like love, but it's um, uh, you know, when you're comparing it to like uh, Valhalla Rising, and um, and like Bronson, I, I think it's a more palatable, fun watch compared to those movies. Uh you know I I would say in my in my opinion, um, you know, like I, I think Avengement's a better movie than Bronson. I mean, hot take, but like it's, it's a much better movie. <laughs>
0: But you know, you're not going to get an argument from me on that one. So, uh,
2: how many times can you look into the camera and say, "I'm Charlie Bronson"? Like, I, I, I've never finished that movie. I was like, I don't need to see him say this. I don't want to be back in this fucking play. I don't want to do this shit. I don't want this artifice. I, so, shit, I just got canceled. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tom Hardy. I figure,
0: I figure if there's a filmmaker, you can be okay uh, slinging shit at. It's Nicholas Winding Refn, right? Like. Like, like he's not you nobody he's
2: ever. like you said he's the most talented guy ever and um even like only god forgives like i'm in awe of the production design and the cinematography but i just it's i don't enjoy
0: watching the movie um bounce, so, man. i bounce right off him at Amy yeah drive which i like and i think is the the closest he's made to a movie that i enjoy i i bounce off it um I, I I'm sure I'm gonna like this one. I probably won't love it, but I'm sure I'm gonna like yeah. it because I I liked both of Egger's previous movies. I didn't love them. I liked yeah. the Lighthouse a lot more than the Witch, just because the Lighthouse does have. I mean, it's got Robert Pattinson fucking a mermaid, so like, <laughs> and and like the angriest goddamn seagull you've ever seen. So, um, but uh, yeah.
1: Well, here, uh, I want to give a quick uh no quick, um, words about the actors themselves, you know, because uh, did they, they have they kind of make the movie really more than anything else and um you know ether Hulk doing great uh, you know as like the elder king whatever um of course uh scars guard you know doing the do the the big angry white guy to the to a t because like, nobody doesn't quite like him he's ah uh, this this magnifique i was gonna say that's
0: it. the one last thing i was gonna say is i guarantee you though when i'm watching it i'm gonna be like it ain't as good as legend of tarzan sorry <laughs> legend of tarzan
2: legend tarzan's underrated i'm with you i'm I, I thought that movie was pretty good, and I thought like everyone's like he's never
1: been this big before. I was like,
2: eh, he's kind of bigger in Legend of the Darknet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, who else? You, oh, uh, well, big big white guy, the main villain, uh, Clay's Bang. It plays Fielder, the uh, the uncle slash brother of, and you know he's great. He's a fr- who he's is a, that he's, guy? He's, I, who, he's yeah, great. So, yeah, Clay's Bang. I, I honestly myself, I haven't really heard of him, but he you know he has a pretty long you know rap sheet here. Nine to be, he's a Danish actor, so he's been in a lot of stuff. uh The Square, The Girl in Spider's Web, you know, like he has a pretty long resume here. So yeah. Danish people just not have body fat; they just like it's
2: it just like it just like they, everything they eat it just chisels right off of them. I swear, <laughs> the guy's just yeah. like he looks like he's like fifty five. He takes his shirt off, and you're like, holy shit! Wait, I,
1: I, who knew? Man. Who knew? Unc was ready to, ready to <laughs> brawl. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I, he, he kind of. I think he might be the most. Um, of character in the whole movie which i which i wasn't really expecting because you know usually like well in the hamlets or the lion kings or whatever kind of plays or stories based off of this general idea they kind of do deal with the protagonist more but no he he is pretty dynamic because he has a there's his before and then after phase like you know when uh the 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 ameth is the main character when he's a kid and, and when he does the uh kill his father and then afterwards when he's like because part of the interesting thing in the story is that uh the kingdom that he that he killed his brother for doesn't exist really in the same way he has to flee in the story to uh, a, a separate like five or whatever and so that's a and he plays that off really well like uh this kind of defeated defeated lord this defeated tyrant who is still trying to cling to his own his power in his way and so he plays that kind of vulnerability you could say but it's still you know it's still a, a domineering, commanding you know villain all uh, through and through yeah, so he has like the most. It's, yeah, it's a really fascinating performance because he has the most to do, or, or surprisingly so. Yeah, it really worked. Um, so, elsewhere, you know, uh, of course, a lot of people giving kudos to Nicole Kidman, just being, you know, the uh, uh, capital C, capital B, crazy bitch, which is just great. You know, there's actually a pretty big turn in her character. A big, Well, I will say, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, spoilers, it's actually, a pretty big, pretty big reveal about her character that I, I won't say here. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's actually does a quite a bit to the story after the end, but you know, she does it well. And, um, and it's funny because I, I thought she kind of felt like she was um, in a different movie. Like she was kind of out of all like the low key grunting and, and whispers. She's like this kind of like this uh, vain, uh, like a British actress in a forties movie, you know, but then I realized again, it's kind of a reveal she is kind of out of, out of place, out of time in, in, in the story among these, these barbarians for a reason. And that plays into what happens to her. So yeah, you know, again, it's great for her around. And then, oh, uh, you know, Joy, she's a big, I'm becoming, well, not becoming, she's a big star now, Green's Gambit or whatever. Um, You know, she's doing good here, but like, oh, I got in trouble saying this earlier. Cause you know, I'm like, she doesn't do anything for me as a like, as an actress. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of feel the same way here, but you know, she's, there's nothing bad about her, but you know, she's like, you know, she's uh she's playing like a crafty shaman witch lady who, who uh you know grabs um attention and his heart. You know, so it's a pretty you know, a pretty significant role. It's pretty important to the story and the overall uh love and the vessel, but you know, it just kind of she's kinda of whatever to me. Um uh, but you know, either way, either way it, it all it all works together. So it's like there's no, there's no like outright bad performances. There's no there's no outright like failure here that that's gonna like that would think throw anybody off in this movie, at least actor wise. Oh, and then, of course, like we said, wonderful, the wild man, the wild gesture with the wild hog. Yeah, <laughs> always great to see him. Um, yeah. Well, two things I want to touch on is is
2: one, um, well, let's do the, the Anna Taylor-Joy first. So what, what about her does not, you're saying, do it for you? Because are you saying like at, as an actor, you find her like screen presence lacking or you just find her to be sort of mediocre and she's being lauded like she's the next big thing and that's that's what's rubbing you the wrong way. It's kind of
1: boring. Like uh I don't know she's like she's talented per se, but like nothing she's like doesn't like stand out like uh she's no cure Knightley, you know, back in the 90s. Oh, where she was, like, well, Oh, that's
2: there's know. only one.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but also like you know, like I feel like her like her startup is preordained. You know, she's like she's like a rich debutante, which again, you know, I shouldn't hold that shit against people, but like, you know, it's, it's that's that's the reality of where we're at now. We we're pushing for movie stars so bad because we're liking, or so they say. So we just kind of picked like the, the prettiest looking weirdest looking one and like you know just go with it, like, you know like the fucking like okay <laughs> I, like, hey, I, I mentioned the, the Queen's Gambit that's a boy that's I, I've story, never right? seen it but I've yeah. I have seen the witch and I
2: will say I think it's pretty difficult for an eighteen year old to like pull that movie off and mm. and kind of shoulder that weird ass narrative and 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 you know, like, especially in, in, in that's his first movie. And it is a lot of those shots that are just going to like linger on her face for like, you know, five minutes at a time. <laughs> and, and, it, and the fact that it still works and that the ending, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, it, uh, so I, I, I probably give her um, a, a lot more credit for just being able to have that innate ability. And some of it is um, fairly or not, you know, if you have these big, huge eyes, as an actor like mm. that is an advantage and and we talk about physical attributes and it's yeah. like that that she, you know she, whether or not there's maybe that depth uh you're not feeling that depth but like it 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 feels there because she's got these she's got this cr- crazy tool set because she's got these huge big eyes and she has an otherworldly you know kind of uh feel to her
1: yeah she definitely like her distinct look that that does like it's definitely to her favor but yeah i mean like and in some, in some ways, this could have been played by anybody, this role. But, you know, again, she doesn't do anything wrong or bad about it. It it's probably
2: like, – it. It there's a little bit where it stretches the credibility that, like, no one else is, like, murdering each other for this, like, super hot chick <laughs> in the middle of this farm. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. like, one guy tries with her. But I'm like um, – uh, hello. Look around. Like no one has dental here. I think this girl. <laughs> I think you guys are properly are not properly valuing Anna Taylor Joy yeah. in your farm. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: well, I, I mean, I, I, there was one other point I was going to make with you about the Nicole Kidman thing. Unless you had something you wanted to, to say about Anna Taylor. Okay, oh. the Nicole Kidman thing. This is another spoiler for everybody. Um, if you haven't seen the MacGruber series on Peacock, which goes to my our, our bigger complaints about this. It, it would have been an incredible movie. You know, it, it feels like it should have been a, a, a two hour, maybe even an a, an hour, 45 minute movie, but it's stretched to four hours and it doesn't need to be. But it has a very intense emotional climax, which is almost the exact same climax of The Northman <laughs> between Alexander Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman. Um, so when you watch MacGruber and then watch this, it's, it, it there's almost like exact parallels. Like you could do a side-by-side, uh, you know, uh, for a perfect headshot. Like give me the parallels of <laughs> uh, Sam Elliott and, uh, and, and, and um, God, I'm, my brain, too many margaritas. Oh, Skarsgård? Oh, uh, Will, <laughs> what's the, the MacGruber. Uh, yeah. Sam Elliott, MacGruber and, and uh, Skarsgård and, and Nicole Kidman. And uh, and it, it took me like a day later when I was thinking like, what was so familiar about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, again, that's just in the air. You know, parents are complicated people. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you know, so it's the thing like, you know, like, you know, I'm going to get in trouble talking shit about but fuck them all in the face. Like, you know, when you see Nicole Kidman and you see Annette Joy, you're like, Annette Joy is no Nicole Kidman. But of course, like you said, it's only one. But it's like, you know, that that's fucking crazy. That's vamp star power right there, not whatever this girl's doing. But, you know, hey, that's just me, right? Well, <laughs> except,
0: I'm actually going to push back on you a little bit on that because I'm actually on your side on this one, Vice. But I actually thought when I saw your tweets, Anya Taylor-Joy reminded me of Nicole Kidman when Nicole Kidman got started. Because right. I think the thing that you're bouncing off with with her is she's a very chilly actress, Um. In a lot of ways, she reminds me a lot of of a young Betty Davis in kind of the same way. But also Nicole, you know, I was excuse not... me who? <laughs> um, I yeah, God forbid I watch a movie from before 1980. Um,
2: <laughs> if, if it's older than me, I'm not interested. I'll never, I'll just, never. Just work... kidding, never, just, just kidding, never... Brandon. Don't 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 boycott the, I'll the never podcast.
0: Be able to work for the ringer because I watch movies from before 1980. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, and, and so she is a very like, chilly actress. That being said, I saw a lot of people in your mentions mention Thoroughbreds, which is a movie that I think really plays to her strengths because she's supposed to be icy, cold, hmm. you know, sociopath in that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think I get what you're bouncing off of. Um, Look, she's hot.
2: Vice. If you're not
1: into that type that, that she's hot, then that's fine. But everyone she's, else like a is like- she's like a bird. Well, about she's, she, she's like a fucking <laughs> finch. I would a thrush. <laughs> My
0: hottest take that I'll probably say this entire episode is my favorite movie that she's in is the fucking New Mutants. So <laughs> oh <laughs> come, my Twitter, God. come at me, Twitter. Fuck your witch. Fuck your <laughs> thoroughbreds. I'm all about the New Mutants. I thought that movie kicked ass. I'm with. What? Than- I've never heard
2: anyone say this. I've never watched it.
0: I, 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 I enjoyed the shit out of it.
2: I- oh, I've never heard anyone say that you should watch that movie. That that word that has <laughs> never been spoken. Around me in all my days. Okay. Yep, yep. Interesting.
0: Nope. There's my hot take. Uh, oh, so kind of, kind of layoff vice come after me for my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
1: <It's> too much.
2: <laughs> now, you, you know, when you talk about star power, you talk about the screen stuff. I mean, I, I did do a little tweet where I, I watched Guys and Dolls for the first time. Spock, talk about old movies. Um, my daughter's got the acting bug. She did that little uh, Wizard of Oz and. The next one available is Guys and Dolls. And she's like, I want to watch it. I didn't even know Marlon Brando was in the movie. Oh, wow. and so I'm watching the beginning of it and I'm enjoying Frank Sinatra. And my wife's like, Frank Sinatra, not you know, not as good looking as I remembered. And you're like, oh, come on, be, go easy on the guy. Uh, it's a, he, he had blue eyes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Brando like steps into frame and you're like, oh, my God, I forgot. Like that, the just like the, the nuclear power of some movie stars. Yeah. Is uh, is timeless, uh, and so yeah, you know, I, I get I get that not everybody's going to be for everyone. It's all subjective, and you know yeah. that that's the whole ridiculousness of this uh, entire endeavor <laughs> of filmmaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Like I said, you know, nothing 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 about any particular individual is bad about the film. They all make it work really well. So yeah, overall, it's a great job. Um, I I saw i are already I do maybe want to actually use that point to go into our other discussion about some other films. Um, because I think, um, well, yeah. So, we kind of uh, between the three of us, we've uh, seen or have seen recently um, other barbarian slash Viking films, and I think uh, we just spoke about recently before we started recording that one of them, one of the things I think we're all big fans of is Centurion, uh, starring uh you know uh, fastbender um, as like a he's like a, he's like a Roman like well as a title implies Centurion uh, during you know these uh, uh, barbaric times and they get they run a file of this uh, band of berserkers. So it's like a part like a part chase film, part Viking thing. It's just you know, really, really solid thrill overall, you know, and also pretty goddamn bloody too. Like, you know, they, 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 they spare no they spare no blade in that film. So you guys want to like you know, just give your thoughts about that one as well.
0: And you want to talk about an actress who's a fucking movie star that hasn't gotten her due, Olga Kurilenko, uh-huh. Because she is fucking incredible in that movie without speaking, um, and just just like neil marshall absolutely knew uh, how to how to hook you know liam you always talk about hooking your actors up he fucking hooked olga kurolenko up in that movie she is just amazing in that um and and you know as great in most things she does most movies i end up pissed off that they don't use like fucking black widow like we get her they fucking cast her and we get her for like two scenes in the actual movie um but yeah centurion i love i think it's i it's, it feels kind of like the forgotten neil marshall movie like somehow it, it like fell through the cracks because it was supposed to be his big budget and then it never really got a decent release and uh and it, i feel like it's you know everybody talks about the descent and dog soldiers and and doomsday but they don't really talk about centurion and they should i wonder why that is it's
2: almost like it it was pre like netflix and it's like such a perfect netflix movie um but it kind of it kind of came out before that right like it had a limited theatrical release but i remember it when it was on netflix i want to say back in like 2010 that it a lot of people watched it but i mean we're talking ancient history now like you know it it, one of those movies that it could pop up on there like tomorrow and it it would be in the top 10 because people were like oh my god this movie works so well
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember because I was following it as they were making it, and I was like, "Fucking Fassbender and Olga Kurylenko, Neil Marshall, like you know Roman Celtic movie." I'm all over this, and it took me forever to be able to like even see it. Like I I feel like it even got released. I I think yeah, that's how I first saw it. Is I think it got, if I remember right, I think it got released on. DVD outside of the U S before it even got a release here. And my buddy imported it and hooked me up with a, with a copy, Um, you know, and then, yeah, it did finally hit Netflix. And I feel like that's when people started to really finally see it, but I still feel like it's one that um, people just, It just it has no cultural footprint whatsoever, you know, and I always see people on Twitter being like, oh, this movie didn't have to go this hard or that movie didn't have to go that hard. And I'm sitting here going fucking Centurion is one of those movies like that is one of those movies that on a Friday night action Twitter should just be like sitting around and deciding, fuck it, we're going to just watch Centurion, you know, because that movie goes fucking hard in it.
2: You know, it's also kind of inspired by a movie that I know why people don't talk about it that much because the filmmaker's super problematic, but the fucking movie itself, if you can separate the art from the artist, is Apocalypto, which like is a fucking incredible movie that I rewatched that in Indonesia when shooting Beyond Skyline because I was just like, they're shooting digital in the jungle and how are they doing it and and trying to look up tips and i was just like holy fuck i forgot how fucking good this movie is <laughs> like, you know that guy's not a great person but uh, pretty good filmmaker um <laughs> uh, so that's another one that it, it feels like and i i think edgar's even referenced it in one of his uh interviews is like you know, maybe one day I'll be able to self finance my movies, and I can do it in a weird language like Mel Gibson. And like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of that in The Northman uh, to Apocalypto, but like, Apocalypto is um, has more of that like old fashioned uh, pulpy craftsmanship and and, uh, and pace and relentlessness. And uh, yeah, I don't know. If it, again, separating the art from the artist, you don't have to do it, but if if you can that is one that I I do think holds up quite well as like just a a, a full-on great. It's uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's still within the same genre of like this, you know, uh, the the same sort of vibe where you have uh, it's just about villages being invaded by assholes and trying to fucking go as hard as you can for what matters to you. So, I mean, I don't know that, 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 that sort of primal, muscle and blood filmmaking always works for me
1: yeah um yeah I'll, I'll do I'll do another one here um again I think that maybe it's a little more well known but still might have the uh footprint you mentioned Mike uh 2007's Pathfinder this is by uh, Marcus Nespo, starring you know the, the mighty Carl uh, Urban, the man uh you know it's basically it's uh he's a he's a Norse child who uh he somehow makes it to the well I guess you know well mm-hmm. I don't think he will do the new world but you know uh, the, the, the Americas and, uh, but he becomes separated and he's raised by the uh, the uh, the the first tribe people there. And so he eventually grows up to be a warrior among the tribe and then he has to ultimately defend them from his uh his his clan of Norsemen as they come to invade. Um, and again like the other you know it's such a relatively small scale, but again, it's like a nice character based um Viking you know miniature, miniature epic. Um, you know, pretty, you know, not too much blood, but you know, it's it's still pretty violent. Um, lots of good battles in there. I I always, I always appreciate this one. Um, you know, I, I don't think it gets gets much play, but you know, it's definitely um, part, you know, part of this pantheon. I think it's it's worth 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 checking out.
0: Yeah, shout out to a friend of the show, Christian Genre Film Addict. He he went on a bender of a bunch of these kind of movies, and he did a a pretty good thread on on Pathfinder and reminded me. I haven't seen Pathfinder since it came out, but I remember thinking it was you yeah, it was it was solid you know i'm not the i'm not the biggest marcus nispel fan i, I don't love his style but i thought it worked for this and i'm always down for watching carl urban just kill fools like like, <laughs> like like like, there's few actors i enjoy watching more than you know just right frankly there's few actors i just enjoy watching more than carl urban i really yeah. like carl urban i i enjoy him in almost everything i've ever seen him in so <laughs>
2: That movie was um, an interesting sort of release acquisition. I just remember because um, it's shot by Daniel Pearl, who did AVPR. And so I had some inside information like they basically it was what they call a negative pickup for the studio, which is pretty much like an independent movie that the studio then acquires. So they generally don't move heaven and earth for the neg pickup. You know, like a a lot of. because of the way that like um, Robert Rodriguez would do his movies, like his movies could end up being neg- negative pickups because he wants to shoot it like in Austin without, he was non DGA for, I, I don't know if he still is for a long period. of time. He wants to do it all his own way. And then that way the studio can just buy the movie at the end. It doesn't have to be a DGA signatory and all this other stuff. Um, so that one was like an, I think it was like an independent movie that then the studio picked up. And then of course 300 becomes this huge hit Wow, it's gonna come up. So they then were like, "Oh," and they tried to maybe kind of push it more into something that it really wasn't, and it had expectations um, bigger than what it was, you know, ever going to deliver. And so it kind of, I think, was met with more critical, you know, uh, pushback than it ever deserved because it is just a, like you said, it's a meat and potatoes good time with Carl Urban and, um, and you know, they definitely are going for a very stylized look that was in vogue at the time to try to push things. I mean, the early 2000s is all about like DI and like, you know, let, let's pick a look and stick to it. And they definitely did on that one. Yeah.
0: So one, I, I do want to recommend, speaking of separating the art from the artist. And if you can't on this one, I totally get it. Um, because it stars Jim Q. Wiesel. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, Outland. <laughs> Yeah. I've never
2: seen this movie. I've always wanted to, but I've I, never
0: I seen fucking it. Love it so it's basically sci-fi Beowulf. that uh, yeah. Beowulf is an alien. Have you seen it, Vice?
1: No, I haven't. No, I've heard the stories. Yeah, this yeah. is like because it sounds like a thing. It, it had a
0: fucking terrible release issues. Yeah. Like
2: it, it, it's it's yeah. like it, within that. What, what's the other one? Solomon Kane. Like those yeah. two movies, like that we heard about on like Ana cool news, but you never could see them.
0: Yeah, and and both of them are great. Solomon Kane, much less problematic. M J Bassett directed that. She rules. I love Solomon Kane. Outlander, not really problematic except for the fact that it stars Jim Caviezel. Uh, and
2: just so you know, Jim Caviezel will speak to people from another language, and he will make up the language <laughs> when he is speaking <laughs> to them, and and like think that he's a fucking genius about it. And so that all- that's the problematic thing we're getting into. He will just start. Fucking flim flamming to people when they when they are from another country, yeah. Truly he, fucking
0: bizarre human being. He's a bizarre human being. He's also unfortunately long been one of my favorite actors. So I, I had to I had I had some problems. I and I still do have some problems with this, but if you can separate him being in it, um, it is a hell of a fun movie. Uh the, the whole plot is he is this this alien soldier who is chasing down this giant monster that crashes on earth uh, because this monster basically destroyed his planet and it it crashes in, in Norway or or Sweden. uh, And basically you've got Vikings trying to fight this giant, fucking alien monster that, that's right out of like, you know, skylines or something like that. And he doesn't have, I think,
2: I think they sent the two hydraulics to like bid on the monster at some point. It's Cause I, I saw concept art from it at some point, but I still have never seen this movie, which is bizarre. I got to watch it.
0: It's it's if you can get over Q being in it, uh, then it's, it's well worth a watch and it, it's a good, fun, weird, genre mashup which you guys know i i love the genre mashup you know i love the idea of this guy from this high-tech society who loses all his tech and so he's got to figure out how to like adapt viking technology to be able to take down this monster um it's good shit it's it's good shit um again don't blame anybody who doesn't want to watch it at all. I, I haven't been able to I used to watch it probably once every year or two, and I haven't been able to even fucking touch it since uh, Jim went full QAnon. So I don't blame anybody, but I still think I still think it's worth recommending the movie. It's a good movie, And a lot of wow. other people worked on it. So yeah.
2: they him and Mel should do the sequel together, Apocalypto <laughs> Outlander
1: part two. Crossover. <laughs> Uh, yeah, wow, yeah, <laughs> okay. I to this after this one. Uh, I want to do one more before we kind of uh, break, uh, well, do our final thoughts. But um, people think I'm dumb for this one, but I liked uh, Antoine Fuqua's King Arthur from 04. That shit was dope, man. I'm sorry, they're not dumb, <laughs> they're not dumb. No, it well, first of all, that was developed
2: by Michael Bay, uh, you know, patron saint of the Avery yeah, podcast. So that movie was developed by Michael Bay. And he wanted to do a King Arthur movie so bad that he just fucking jammed one into the last Transformers movie <laughs> so that you can see that all full circle. Now it's like, why, who the fuck decided that Mark Wahlberg's going to pull the fucking knight of King Arthur at the end of the last night. It goes back to Antoine Fuqua's King Arthur. I love King Arthur. I mean, so I was developing like this war of the ages script all through those years. I watched every single one of these movies and I thought King Arthur was definitely an underrated one. And it was really because like Clive Owen, it was, it was a little ahead of his time, right? Like people didn't know who he, who he necessarily was yet. And it was kind of a big movie. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys that was just like always on the cusp, you know, like never broke as wide as I, I feel like it, it should have, because I think he's so talented and and such, such a great actor, um, but this is just another one of those movies that, like, it, it 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 kind of failed to break out. I think it still made a shit ton of money, but I really love the cast, and I'm with you. So yeah, talk King Arthur.
1: Yeah, just uh, you know, it's it's a, uh, I guess you could say, stylized uh, in, uh rendition of the uh, fabled Arthurian uh, mythology. You know, King Arthur and the Knights. but here the the knights are actually Roman centurions who have to uh, stave off the uh, the barbarians in uh you know uh, what, what was what become england you know back in its uh older old uh uh Barbar- what, was it, what was it called again i don't remember I don't my, my history is terrible but whatever uh the like the, britannica I, or whatever yeah yeah part. britannica yeah. whatever they used to call and all the uh the goths there or the, the barbarians there as they called as the romans called them they had to face them and of course you know like guinevere is like this like hot goth bow and arrow lady by the lovely Lady, of course again a real movie star only one there can be only one <laughs> you know yeah it's just it's like it's, it's uh you know it's um yeah, you know, people make fun of like a like I think uh, it, yeah it's just it's so it feels like yeah ahead of its time I think it was, it's a problem because like, I guess people weren't ready or were expecting that stylized version of history you know with with the modern techniques for the time or modern styles of it, but yeah it's just it's, it's a, again it's like a fun you know like kind of a not chase movie but uh they're on the run they're they're on the move by chase by it's like a, a clashes and little intrigue and twists and turns at every at every every uh, every stop. Yeah, man, that's a good time,
2: man. I love it. <laughs> you got a shout out to Ray Stevenson, who has, you know, I, it's always important in these movies for a great sacrifice death. And mm-hmm. he has a fantastic sacrifice death on the on the frozen lake where he starts <laughs> yeah. smashing the lake down. Um, oh
1: yeah, and I forgot uh, one of the main bad guys was uh the Big Daddy guard, Stellan Scars Guard. So you know, that's right. <laughs> He's really
2: good in it. Yeah, the, the barbarian connection. Yeah, you know, I mean, you guys are reminding me of a bunch of these movies that I, I watched in time. And you, I went just a quick thing on Ray Stevenson, if you if you've never seen HBO's Rome, which is, uh, you know, developed by I think it's Bruno Heller, and John Millet who uh, was involved at the beginning of it. Fantastic series. It's only two seasons. There's an episode at the end of the first season with Ray Stevenson and Kevin McKidd, where they have a big gladiator fight. That is like as fucking blood pumping amazing where they start screaming out the name of their battalion in the middle of the fight and they're like, 13, the 13. And it is fucking incredible. Um, and and uh, yeah, just uh, you'll you'll now going back, it's another one of those ahead of the times. So you talk about Solomon Cain. Um, you know, that actor is 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 Mark Anthony. Um yeah, it's it, it star-studded all the way through. It's only two seasons, but because they knew they were getting canceled, they actually like accelerated the story in the second season and they really do wrap it up. Um, but yeah, Rome is a is a great series version of this. I only watched the first season of Spartacus and I did like the first season. I thought it paid off. It had a great finale. It was such a good finale that I didn't really feel the need to see anymore, especially when the lead actor, uh, unfortunately, I think it's what's his Andy Whitfield.
0: Yeah. Andy Whitfield.
2: Andy Whitfield was, who was so fantastic passed away that uh, you know, unfortunately I, I it, it was too sad to continue that.
0: Um, we gotta, we gotta, and I'll, I'll second both Rome and Spartacus. I enjoyed both of those. Yeah. Um, which actually is going to a perfect example to sort of segue because Spartacus stars Lucy Wallace, who also stars in a recent that I'm not going to spend a ton of time on a recent barbarian movie, if you will, that I watched this weekend. The Spine of Night, uh, which is a fascinating movie that I think I admired more than I enjoyed for people who haven't seen it it's basically uh, the directors Philip Galat and Morgan Galen King decided they wanted to do an homage to the old Ralph Bakshi movies. So it is a modern rotoscoped fantasy movie uh, that stars Lucy Wallace and Richard E. Grant. And it, uh, It's 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 got a lot. I mean, the movie's a lot. There are you know, if you want if you want your fantasy movie to be all about the like uh, (laughs) guts, boobs and uh, everything else, it is it is throughout all of it. Lucy Lawless is naked for the entire movie, Uh, literally for the entire movie. People are getting split in half and guts and entrails and stuff are falling out. But uh, what's most interesting is, again, just bringing back this old technology that that other than Richard Linklater, nobody really is using anymore in rotoscoping. Um, for those who don't know, rotoscoping is where live action, and Liam, you can correct me if I get any of this wrong. It's where live action actors are filmed, and then that footage is then animated over. So you get a, a more realistic movement from the animation, and it's a bit cheaper, but it also hits a bit of a weird uncanny valley sort of place, I think for a lot of people. And this movie certainly does that as well. The other big thing with rotoscoping is they animated it at 12 frames a second. So it's always a little herky jerky. If you've ever watched any of those old batshe movies, they're always a little like a herky jerky, um, but it's on shutter. If you have shutter, it's free. It's not very long. It's 93 minutes. Um, i i think it's worth checking out i don't think it's a movie that i'll revisit a lot but i think it's worth checking out and i just appreciate that i definitely damn sure appreciate that the movie exists like good for these guys because they had a crew of like four or five animators i mean this was a real it took them seven years to pull this thing together this was a real labor of love so i don't want to dwell on the things that didn't work for me on it because this is the type of movie that we should be boosting uh not not shitting on so even though some of it didn't work for me i still i gotta recommend everybody check it out if you've got shutter yeah Yeah,
2: i started it last night um and i just would shout out uh my friend betty gabriel showed up and you know it's interesting with the rotoscope style because like some people are they they don't look like the actors like lucy lawless is obviously augmented
0: quite a bit Uh, and then Betty Gabriel shows up and she looks exactly like Betty Gabriel. (laughs) She's the one actor out of all of them. She showed up and I'm like, it did, they, I, And I do wonder because one of the things you can do with rotoscoping is obviously the actor you're animating doesn't have to be the actor that you have on set that you're filming so I'm not even sure I was trying to find some behind the scenes stuff I'm not even sure if Lucy Lawless was on set she may well have just done the voice but that was clearly fucking Betty Gabriel they shot yeah. all of that footage of Betty Gabriel and then just animated Betty Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. So I I thought that was really cool. And it did
2: remind me another recommendation real quick. I'm not sure because I haven't seen this movie in a long time. I don't know how problematic it is. But Heavy Metal, the, you know, the, the original Heavy Metal cartoon, the yeah. John Candy sequence was formative <laughs> for a young Liam O'Donnell.
0: <laughs> definitely feels, I actually thought of that, too, as I was watching it, that, you know, because I know they were comparing it to a lot of the back. And you know, I was kind of like, well, it's actually almost because it is a bit of an anthology like Heavy Metal is, you know, Heavy Metal has this overarching story. Uh, That ties all the stories together, but this is kind of the same. There's an overarching story, but there's sort of three distinct three or four distinct stories. So I I was watching it going, yeah, this actually reminds me more of heavy metal than than almost anything else. Um,
1: Yeah, it it definitely is worth checking out, I think. All right. Um, well, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, I did. Well, yeah, we're, we're coming on to the end, but um, I think you mentioned earlier you met uh John uh, had a thread about uh, you know, Pathfinder and stuff. Also, want to shout out to um, uh, Head Exposure, one for Headshot. Uh, you know, he has another great thread. Uh, one thing I haven't seen yet, uh, but he mentioned um, in his kind of uh train up to see Northman, he highly recommended a movie called uh, Il Primo Ray, or also known as uh, The First King. And he said he had a clip of it on his Twitter, and that was some ooh, man, there's a quick clip of uh, a barbarian fight, and it's just oh, that was one of the most brutal things I've seen in a long time. Just uh, severed limbs and and, and wide, great gouts of blood. Yeah. So if you get if you guys have seen or or, or ever heard of uh, the first king, let us know if you you know when you, when you watch this in the comments later on. Because yeah, I, that 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 caught my attention really good. So I'm just gonna check that one out as soon as I can.
2: Uh, I apologize for the dog barking, everybody. Uh, <laughs> but there, there's two we're quick talking, movies we're talking, that I want to talk three. about. Yeah, so it's a it,
0: crom knows Crom knows
2: Crom knows <laughs> that he must yeah have his presence felt is uh there's there's two Beowulf movies obviously you know what you were just talking about Mike with the rotoscoping about how you know you can change everything I really like um Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf I, I I definitely liked it a lot when I saw it in the theater um and I, I saw some pushback from people that that uh, say it hasn't age great, which is you know probably not surprising with that style of animation. But I think what I responded to so much at the time is, is you, you have to take that context of when it came out is that we had a real like dearth of fuck huge action heroes at the time, and so it was like oh it's so great to have like Ray Stevenson voice this big motherfucker who's killing everybody.
0: Winstone, not i Steve- Oh,
2: sorry, Ray, Ray Winstone. Yes, Ray Winstone, sexy beast. Just be like, I am Ripper, I am Beowulf, you know, like this great actor who can lay it on, who then also is is tearing the shit out of everybody. That hit a sweet spot for me because I didn't feel like we had it at the time. Where I feel like we've kind of we have filled in, we've got a lot of we got a nice stable now of big punchy boys, but in that period there was a real dearth, and so um, yeah, that one hit for me. And I also always like a climax where the hero has to like viciously hurt themselves to win. It's something I I have a weakness for. So when he actually had to cut his own arm off to win, uh, that, that will never n- not work for me.
1: Yeah. I, 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 uh, what worked for me was um, Angelina Jolie as Beowulf's mom with the um, monster high heels that came out of her flesh. Oh man. oh I wasn't a kid, but you know, I was pretty good. That, but that was, uh, that was, the the art and magic of animation puts a great use, <laughs> but also why was okay? It's Ray Winstone doing the voice, but why is the character model look like Sean Bean? I never got that. I never understood that. Like, were they trying to like? Was he going to be him originally? <laughs> I never understood that part.
2: <laughs> you no, know, no, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point. It definitely does look like Sean Bean if he was, you know, fed, uh, if he was on, you know, the Barry Bonds protocol. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess we should also mention, since we're talking Beowulf movies, we should also mention uh, John McTiernan's 13th Warrior, which is a, uh, you know, a movie that has not aged great in terms of casting. uh, Although I I do think Antonio Banderas still gives a great performance. Um, But
2: the last word of the movie is goodbye, Arab.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's Antonio
2: Banderas. (laughs) <laughs> I lo- I love the movie though, but I remember seeing the movie with my brother, who's like you know the older, more highfalutin, like actual Harvard Juilliard guy, and he was like, "Oh man, this is," and I I was like, "What are you talking about? That was fantastic." I was the huge Michael Crichton fan, so I was like super excited. Oh man, Eaters of the Dead! And I remember seeing the first teaser in the theater, Eaters of the Dead. What a fucking title! And then it just kind of went away for a year, and then it came out retitled The Thirteenth Warrior, but. There's a lot of awesome shit in that movie.
0: McTiernan. I mean, he's just a pro. There's just no way around it. Like, I know that movie was fraught with all sorts of post-production issues and stuff, but McTiernan's a pro. Um, and The campfire
2: scene at the beginning, one of the greatest uses of language
0: in explaining, like,
2: how we hear things and and just getting over it. Like, I, I don't know. It was, it's a brilliant device where everyone's speaking in the Norse language and Antonio Banderas's Arabic character is listening and it's slowly becoming english to him and us the audience i mean it, it's that that's that's cinema
0: yeah especially when he does the he does the dig and and they they say how did you do that and he says something i it's been a long time since i've seen in the movie but something along the lines of i do what you never do i listened uh you know and <laughs> i mean it, it's it's and speaking of big punchy boys, fucking Vladimir Coolidge, debt collector's own Vladimir Coolidge is a big ass punchy fucking Beowulf in that in that movie. I mean, they call him something else. I don't remember what they call him, but he's he's fucking Beowulf, basically. But uh, he's a big punchy boy in that movie. Um, yeah, I
2: mean, it's like it's like King Arthur in that thing where you get the, your crew of guys and everybody's got their specialized weapon. And you start to love them because you see what, what each one does great in battle. And then they have their big last stand. I mean, that, it's, 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 what, it's what we're here for. And the other, the other Beowulf movie I was going to mention, because we started with the, the, the deity saint uh, of A4E, although Scott Atkins might hear that and be like, what the fuck? Uh, but we started with uh, Jerry Butler. And so this was in my exhaustive research uh, of all of these movies at the time when I was writing that script. Jerry Butler's Beowulf and Grendel is actually a pretty good watch. Uh, and it's also uh, he did another movie at the time Attila the Hun, which I think is even better. But you should dig into some of those early uh, Jerry Butler movies with the sword and sandals like he was he was ready for uh, 300. he had he had done the work. Um, the Attila one I think I liked better in hindsight, but interesting interesting nonetheless and uh, it's it's a good to see. You know, this guy who's gone on to become this huge star to go back and see some of the smaller productions that, uh, you know, built him up to where he got.
0: Beowulf and Grendel's the one with Sarah Pauly, too, right? It's him and Sarah Pauly. Am I remembering right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, okay. yes,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's like that's like indie Beowulf, but it's it's a solid, it's a very solid movie. It's it's good, it, it's A24's Beowulf, is basically what it, <laughs> I don't mean that in a negative way. It's it's a good, solid indie movie. Um, and you know, Sarah Pauly's always, uh, always a treat to watch. So, um, all right, Vice, any other last last minute barbarian recommendations?
1: Uh, no, that's, that's all for now. I think, uh, like we said, um, when you guys when this comes out, please, you know, um, add on. You know, on Twitter threads or you know, in the podcast links. Uh, any other recommendations you would have? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big, expansive uh, genre or you know, field, and uh, you know, it's good that you know, with whatever problems I or we may have with Northman, it's another great addition to that to that spectrum of of, of of movies. So yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah, you know what I'd say from that movie
2: too. That is going to be a great plus. Is that I think it's going to be a good movie to get. Like if eighteen year old Liam saw that movie, I think it would pull me in. And I and it would make me think about films in a different way, and so that that's another great thing about that. When you add, when you combine, you know, art and real testosterone-driven entertainment, you might you know pull some people in and and, and, to, and, and they'll start thinking about things a little bit differently. And so, yeah, like I said, I, as much as I like to joke about anything about that movie, uh, I I definitely uh, you know do the hat tip. And, uh, I'm really happy that it exists and, uh, you know, we'll see. I I don't think, uh, well, whatever, I don't give a shit about the business. I'm just happy it exists and good on him.
0: Yeah. 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 And I, and I mean, that's the thing I say, you know, my final thoughts are just about Robert Eggers in general, which is much like Wending Ref and I keep bouncing off their movies, but I keep watching them. Because uh, I'm glad they exist I'm glad they're out there making movies And trying to move heaven and earth To get their actual vision On on screen and that's something that I'm always going to support even if I don't Like the movie so I, I didn't see the Northman this weekend but I will see it Probably when it hits VOD and um, Yeah yeah, I'm looking forward to it So alright Vice
1: Victus where can People find you? Oh man you know I'm, I'm on Twitter getting mad shit Talking mad shit fighting fight the good fight Against the barbarian horde, but I'll be all right too. I'll be all right. so much it I this, um, Tokyo Shit, Instagram, I think look this, uh, looking hot and Letterboxd too, being smart. At least I think so.
0: <laughs> and Liam O'Donnell, where can people find you?
2: Uh, Liam Odin on uh, Twitter and Instagram and and vice and Mike. The, the ties between us can never be broken, so we will we'll fight together <laughs> till the end. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mike, you don't know what that reference is, but it's, know, uh, it's a pretty but movie. I, you know, but I still felt it in my soul. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all good. It's all good.
2: Basically there's a baby inside me and we're all going to have it together. Um, but yeah, no, this is a great, this is the drunkest I've been on the Avery podcast and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, I missed not being able to listen to us today, uh, but I guess that's going to make Monday all the better.
1: Yeah. Oh, hey, one thing before we go, you know, I was thinking in my head, you know, People would like, to talk to shit. Uh, there's no black people in the northmen because you know it's, it's, it takes place in the northmen country. Uh, but I'm like, you know, what if there was African with his barbarian brothers? And that's us, that's a podcast. So, thank you guys for being my barbarian white brothers. <laughs> I'm, li- I'm living the dream. I had no idea where you're going with that.
0: that <laughs> it does work because you have a Celt. And an actual Viking because I am Norwegian. Uh, I am pretty full-blooded Norwegian. So, so yes, you are. You are our. We have you are our our thirteenth warrior. We have
1: (laughs) thirteenth warrior and the massive hogs. Let's forget this shit up. Oh my god. All They'd right. On you.
0: you can find me on Twitter at Hibachi Justice and on Letterbox. You can find the show at a 4 podcast on Twitter. Obviously you're listening to us so you can find you know you can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Thank you all for your support. We love you boys. We'll do this again next week.
1: Take care. To, Take care. Problem. <laughs> <Rah! laughs>